Welcome back to Afternoon Bloom. My name is Rachel Helm, and today we're going to be talking about what a roastery is. But before we get into that, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who listened to episode one. Of I really wasn't expecting anybody to listen to this. So this is really, really crazy that so many of you were so nice and so supportive and took away a little piece of knowledge that makes me very happy. Uh, so ah, thank you. This is really cool. Me and Jacob are having a lot of fun with this. Uh, so to see it all come to life is very, very exciting. So thank you. That support means a lot. The fact that most of you, <laughs> I had a lot of people who have never even listened to podcasts before. So this feels very exciting to be the podcast that gets you into podcasts. I will definitely take that. <laughs> so thank you again. Um, yeah, very cool. So for the second episode, we are going to be talking about what a roastery is and kind of continue the conversation that we had on the first episode. And um yeah, move on from there. So let's let's get into it. So in episode one, we talked about what coffee is and clarified everything that I think you should know about coffee before we move forward. And today I wanted to talk about what a roastery is and kind of clear the air that a roastery is very different from a cafe and emphasize this huge stage in coffee that sometimes gets forgotten and, you know, there has to be a step between the coffee leaving the country and the coffee showing up at your door. And that's where I come in. And obviously, I can only speak from my own experience in roasting. But um, this is my take on what a roastery is. So Las Chicas del Café is inside of this restored historic um, train station. And the other end was converted into some offices and this um, hall to rent for weddings and stuff but we were lucky enough to get on the end of it and it's so gorgeous I mean you pull up and it's this beautiful red brick building and you walk in and it just smells like coffee and uh, it it's we're super lucky that we roast where we do and I'm very aware of that every single day when I go into work I don't think there's a day I've ever dreaded driving into work because it's just so gorgeous and you know a roastery can be put anywhere. Like as long as you have the space to facilitate everything you need for a roast for like the drum roaster, you could do it anywhere. Like you could it could be in the front of your cafe. It could be in an old industrial building. It could be I mean somebody wants to put it in their barn, which is so charming. Like you could put it it could be anywhere. You just have to have the means to make sure you have the like piping to go outside and gas lines and you know whatever whatever else your roaster needs, but it's not to say that every roastery has to be in a certain space. It's, you know, mine is in a train station. Yours could be, you know, I don't know. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that is my sister worked at a cafe that was, they roasted coffee on the train tracks. And so we both worked at these roasteries on the tracks in two completely different cities. <laughs> it's like, shall we? Only me and you as twins would have something like that happen to us. But that's just my little story about train track roasteries. Very charming. We are lucky enough that in the spring days we can open up the big, because everything's so grand in the train station, right? So the doors are eight feet tall. The windows are huge. So we can open up the big back doors on the train station and they've rebricked around the whole station these old um, bricks from like a hundred years ago. I mean, every every ounce of my, the roastery that I work at is so old and genuine and it truly makes you feel like you're right back on a farm in Nicaragua or wherever. Like it, it's super cozy. So we're very lucky to work there. It's very nice. 
Now, a roastery has, um, every roastery kind of has the same components. They are going to be laid out differently. Everybody's working in a different space. I know some roasteries who will have um, like five or six drum roasters in this huge space so all these roasters get to come out and they'll they kind of hang out while they all roast together which I love to romanticize that idea (laughs) but I roast alone there's just one roaster that we use most of the time at the roastery and if you're kind of a coffee geek it's um a probat p12 we have a p12 and an l5 for anybody who's really into coffee you're the only ones who are going to care about that but we do use probat which uses natural gas so basically roasters are just these giant rotating drums just like an oven but in a circle form that's spinning and there's gas usually heating that drum like an open flame usually on the bottom and there's a big cooling tray out front where all the coffee dumps into once it's done being roasted and there's a big like siphon thing on the top (laughs) I'm using a lot of hand gestures right now but uh, I'll definitely post a picture of what an actual roaster looks like to just clear all of that mess right there but anyways yeah you'd see two roasters where I work one's much smaller so we really only use the big one because the small one just we just don't even keep up it's not even worth it but every roaster kind of has different sizes we roast about 25 pounds at a time and if you were to look in our roasting room you can kind of see all our different varietals lined up on the walls and you'd see some stools to sit because you're just smelling that coffee every 30 seconds for the you know 11 to 13 minutes that it takes for each roast which is another thing people like to feel sorry for me thinking that roasts take so long to finish when they only take like 12 minutes (laughs) people have this idea that it takes hours and hours and hours and weeks and weeks and weeks but they're confusing us with breweries and wineries which is which is okay i understand so yeah you'd see we have the roasting room we have a packaging room um the packaging room is kind of split in half for us and half of it is just jam-packed with all these coffee bags so that's where we keep all of our Um, kind of like warehouse sitch there but a much more charming version of any warehouse you'd have in mind and then we also have our cupping room which a lot of roasteries refer to a cupping room as a lab a cupping lab ours definitely does not feel like that (laughs) we have this huge harvest table in the middle and all of our cups we use were handmade by this local potter and you know that's the room where we can open up the big doors in in the spring and oh it's so gorgeous we keep all our coffee trees in there so it's kind of the fun room it's where you get to do all the tastings and you know brew our coffee in the morning while the roaster's heating up it's kind of the um what's the word i'm looking for the all-in-one room, I guess we will call it. But, you know, some some roasteries, they are stark. Like, those cupping rooms are... People wear white jackets there. It's all very... They're full of machines. It's very uncomfortable for me to be in. And I can totally see why if you've been to a cupping room in one of those labs, you were probably a thousand percent intimidated. And I feel you there. So ours definitely doesn't feel as fancy as you think. And that's why people are so shocked when they come do cuppings. They're like, I just didn't expect this. But we're going to talk about cuppings and that whole side of things once I'm done roasting on the next episode. And um, for now, we're just going to be talking about the roasting. The actual roasting process is pretty much just a caramelization of the beans. So we drop the beans in, we let them dehydrate, and that'll take probably five minutes of the roast. 
And then from there, it starts to caramelize and the, the beans start to turn yellow. And that's when you kind of know, we're making magic here. Something's happening. It starts to smell really good. And what people don't, I, th- I don't want to tell them this and break their heart when they come to the roastery, but people will come in and they'll scoop up the green beans and be so excited, like, oh my gosh, this is what they look like before they're roasted. And they always do the move where they pick it up and they smell it in their hands. And I just never have the heart to tell them that coffee doesn't smell like anything when it's raw. So, I mean, you might get the smell of the farm that's kind of naturally in the bag that's been sealed since it left the country, but... Green beans don't have a smell to them, so it's not until you've dehydrated those beans that you really start to get something out of them. So about five minutes in, the beans start to turn yellow, and you start to get a sweetness, and and this is where the fun of my job comes in because it's kind of placing a smell for what I'm smelling at the roaster and making sense of what I'm doing all day. So I'm a very visual person, so color when I started roasting was kind of what guided me through, but... um. It's really neat because you get you get these yellows and you kind of smell like honey nut Cheerios if you were to smash them in your hands. And um, it's just kind of unexpected. And then it moves and they get kind of splotchy. And that's kind of a visual sign that um, sugars are caramelizing. Things are moving along. And it almost smells like um, like you're baking a fresh loaf of bread. Like it's this like yeasty kind of odi smell it's it's kind of hard to place and then the roast gets to a point around nine minutes where we call it the first crack and the whole drum starts sounding like popcorns just blowing up in the roaster and that lets me know that um, all the water's been dehydrated and then the last of those water bonds are kind of breaking up everywhere and from that point on at nine minutes that's when roast um like roast roasts are starting to be developed like once I hear that first crack I know that from here on I'm just developing oils and I'm breaking down organic bonds and that's when um the good flavor is kind of coming and um it's funny because I'll go to cafes and I'll look at their beans and be like "Ooh, honey like you did not let that develop enough after the first crack like I can see the splotches I know what you did there um and it's really cool because I just spent all day looking at it so I'm like girl you should have let that one sit a bit longer <laughs> so from my like my job from that point on is to smell and the the coffee switches to this like spicy smell and it it kind of reminds me if you're if you were standing near an Indian kitchen or something like that curry aroma, like really spicy tickles on the nose. And um, so basically two minutes after that, like at 11 minutes, that would be our lightest roast and you take it out and you kind of let it go a bit longer, just three more degrees, maybe a minute and a half, that's our next roast. And then maybe four degrees after that, that's our medium dark roast. And then after that, maybe two more degrees, you'll hear this second crack. And it all happens in such a quick matter of time that you have to be paying attention to the roast because just a few degrees, a few seconds can completely twist and change the roast to something you don't want it to be. So That's why, you know, you have to watch every 30 seconds. How is this dehydration moving? Is it going to stall the rest of the roast? And um, there's all these little details while you're roasting you don't really think about. It's like, oh, this one's kind of moving a bit slow. Maybe it's a bit windy outside and I keep getting air coming into the drum, kind of slowing it down. But um, that's where the fun comes in and taking the coffee and going to the the cupping room, sorry, and 
um, comparing, you know, a coffee that was roasted at 415 degrees and came out at 1132 minutes and comparing another one, the same temperature, but coming out at 1142, you know, so something like a 10 minute difference can completely change the taste. And maybe it's something that only we notice at the cupping table and the consumer's not really going to pick a, pick apart the coffee like that. But it's my job to make sure that everything is moving exactly the same and I'm smelling the same things. And if it's windy, you know, that's my job to close the airflow and make sure cold air isn't coming in. And um, all these little details where people kind of get the idea that I'm just chilling all day, which I am, but I'm also, you know, watching that everything's moving properly and smelling things and looking at the colors. So, um, yeah, it's uh, that's how the roasting process goes. The one thing that's different with coffee um unlike most beverages like wine or beer they can kind of do what they're gonna do map out their you know the profiles they want for their that specific wine or that specific beer the difference is that with coffee you know I do all this hard work I spend so much time meticulously watching the whole thing develop going to the cupping room and making sure everything tastes good and you know it's exciting us and That coffee is just in the consumer's hand from there on out. Like, it's so easy to mess up coffee once you have it in your home. Even Jacob last week was like, how come my coffee never tastes the way that you brew it? And just like a little detail can completely switch the way it tastes. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, you were burning the coffee with the water. So many little things. It's good today. You did do a good job today. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of the one thing that's out of our hands. So. A lot of what we do at the roastery is we kind of have clients and customers and cafe owners come to the roastery and taste the coffee with us and kind of show them how things could be done and how it should taste. And um, and then from there, hope that they can try to arrange things (laughs) to get it where we want it to be. But that's the only part of my job that I I don't think people think about. And it just kind of sucks for me because, (laughs) you know, you work so hard. But um it is exciting when somebody does a good job and they come in and they're like, wow, the brown sugar and that yellow Katoyi Viennese roast, like, that was everything. And it's like, that was everything that you did that. Like, I'm so glad you noticed that. I worked so hard to make sure you found that note, you know? So um, that's kind of the tedious part about roasting. And that's what kind of separates me from being a barista is that you know, I, I'm not brewing people coffee. It's not my job to, you know, send you on your way with your morning cup. I, I'm I'm doing all the things before that. And um, even right now, we're going through developing all of our roasts because our harvest just arrived. So this is kind of the fun part of our year when um, the coffee comes in just once a year and it's our time to develop them and kind of see what is this coffee offering and Um, We kind of start by taking one pound of coffee they send us right before they ship the coffee. It's called a pre-shipment sample. And we do a little roast and we see how it's tasting and how we think it should, you know, change from last year. Because every year you have to change. It's like this ever-evolving recipe. And even throughout the year as coffee ages, because like we talked about, coffee is a fruit. So it's always aging. It's always changing. So we have to keep in mind that... um, 
you know, we have to change through the seasons and adjust things so that we're still getting the notes that we want to out of that roaster, but maybe we have to slow that caramelization down another minute or speed it up by 30 seconds or um, all these little details that kind of make it fun and kind of make it, you know, interesting. It's always it's always growing and no harvest is ever the same. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of doing the same thing every day, but I'm also kind of not. So, you know, that's why I love what I do so much. So on the next episode, I want to talk more about what is a cupping and we can kind of break down what that means once I've roasted the coffee and we can talk about all the steps of a cupping and kind of give you the full picture of what my job is like all the time. But hopefully this gave you a better idea of what I do and can kind of just help you visualize a little bit better what a roastery's job is and what I do for a living and um, kind of what the process does to the coffee. Um, Yeah, I hope that made sense. (laughs) It made sense to me. Did it make sense to you? (laughs) Jacob's on the same page. So I think I think we did good here. Thank you so much for listening to Afternoon Bloom. Uh, This episode was produced and edited by Jacob Anstey, and he also did the intro and outro music. Uh, You can find us on Instagram. You can find me, Rachel Helm, at HelmRach. You can find Jacob at Gene underscore Daddy, and you can find Afternoon Bloom on Instagram and Facebook if you want to. It's up to you. Um, We'll see you next episode. You guys are the best. (laughs) 